May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father, through his Son, his only Son, Jesus, the bread of life. Amen. I really, really like bread. Fresh bread, whole wheat bread, home-baked bread, fresh, whole wheat, home-baked bread. That's still warm when you slice it and the butter melts into it and you spread a little honey on it, or if I were back in the Midwest, some rhubarb jam. I really, really like bread. And today's sermon is about bread. Because the Old Testament reading, as well as our continued reading of John chapter 6, are about bread. May the Holy Spirit give us expectant hearts and attentive ears to ponder this word of God that tells us there was bread for Elijah and bread for the crowd and bread for us. People God dearly loves. Elijah has won. He has won big on the Carmel Ridge. The God of the prophets of Baal was deaf. But God answered Elijah with consuming fire. Then the people of Israel shouted, The Lord, he is God! The Lord, he is God! Either out of surprise or with newly rediscovered confession of faith. But Queen Jezebel swore, she vowed, Jezebel threatened, and Elijah ran. He ran down the center of Israel south to Beersheba, and leaving his servant behind another day's journey besides, he ran until his feet were blistered, his mouth was parched, and his strength was sapped. Maybe you've heard this before, but the broom tree is common in the Middle Eastern desert. It's labeled Ratama Retem sometimes called a tamarisk. It grows to maybe 10 or 12 feet. It's really just a big bush, a shrub more than a tree. The broom tree survives in the dry desert by sinking its roots deeply to draw nourishment from the sand and the soil. It flowers in the spring and stays green even in extreme heat. Down here in Texas... I'd compare it to the huisach, with its pretty yellow flowers in the spring, with green leaves all summer long and those ever-present thorns. A broom tree can provide just enough shade on a brutally hot day, just enough shade for Elijah, and just enough shade, perhaps, for Hagar, to place her son Ishmael under one in Genesis 21. Elijah sat down in the shade, and Elijah prayed. He asked God to let him die. Oh, Lord, I can't take it anymore. End my life. I thought I was worth something, but I'm no better than all the servants who ever came before me. Then Elijah rolled on his side and maybe did as Jacob did a millennium before, making a rock his pillow and fell asleep. But he was woken up by the touch of an angel. 
And no, it wasn't a pilot for the 1990s hokey TV show. The angel said to Elijah, rise and eat. The runaway prophet looked and there it was, angel food cake. Oh, okay. A cake of fresh bread baked on hot stones along with a jug of water. So he ate, he drank, and Elijah put his head down to continue his final nap. Then the angel of the Lord came a second time. He said to Elijah, finish the food, drink some more. You'll need it for the journey still ahead of you. He did. Elijah sat up. He ate more. He drank more. And strengthened by that food, Elijah kept walking one sandal after another, 40 days and 40 nights, until he climbed Mount Horeb and camped in the cave where he would hear that still, small voice. But that's another story. A different miracle began the Bread of Life narrative. We heard that story from Mark 6 three Sundays ago on July 18th. Eager and curious crowds were following Jesus, But late in the day, they had become stomach-growling crowds. Their lunches were gone. They were too far from their villages. The disciples weren't ready to dip into their treasury to purchase food for everyone. A little boy's two salted fish and five barley loaves were all they could find. But Jesus took and blessed and broke. And the disciples carried from our Lord's powerful hands basket after basket after basket after basket of bread and of fish until everyone was filled. 5,000 men, women and children besides, were fed. But now the crowd is scattered. They've headed back to their homes. And unfortunately, After rumbling stomachs were quieted, mumbling and grumbling lips begin to make noise. The Israelites grumbled in the wilderness because they had nothing to eat except that same everyday bread. But God had provided for them quail in the late afternoon and manna when they woke up in the morning. They were fed on and for their journey. Yet this amazing bread which nourished them all the way from Egypt to the Promised Land, was temporal and temporary. It was only for on earth, and it was only for a time, although 40 years is a pretty long time. Your fathers, Jesus tells the questioning Jews in John 6, they ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. But I am the bread of life. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live Forever, The Jews grumble because they don't like the offer Jesus makes. They are hungry, but they don't want to eat the food that he is and that he gives. They would rather starve spiritually than trust that he is the Messiah, the bread from heaven, the living bread. For whoever comes to me, Jesus promises, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. In both verse 35 and verse 48, 
That is the first of Jesus' seven I am proclamations in the Gospel of John. Each one of them is an image of salvation, a picture of redemption, a gospel word. Jesus also declares, I am the light of the world, chapter 9. I am the door to the sheepfold, and I am the good shepherd, chapter 10. I am the resurrection and the life, chapter 11. I am the way and the truth and the life, chapter 14. And I am the vine, you are the branches, chapter 15. But this first one is the most challenging of the I am statements. Is our Lord telling the Jews, the Jews then and us today, to be cannibals? Is that why in verse 60 of this chapter, many of Jesus' followers wonder out loud, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It is a hard saying. But it is also a good news saying. Jesus is living bread, better than God provided his people through Moses to feed us with this new life-nurturing, eternal life-sustaining bread, Jesus will give his flesh, his body, for the life of the world. He will offer that sinless sacrifice at Golgotha. His flesh will be the sacrifice on the altar of the cross. He will be the payment for all the guilt and all the shame that we carry in our desertion and in our disobedience. What are you hungry for? What are all of us hungry for? What are you thirsty for? What are all of us thirsty for? Not for mere fast food and a sweet tea. Not even for tasty bread from Panera or Needers or the corner bakery, and not for the most nutritious and scrumptious meal you can fix from scratch in your kitchen with fresh vegetables and choice meat and the perfect selection of herbs and spices. Jesus offers what our starving souls need. When we are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and we always want to be then we are fed and filled. For Jesus offers himself as the bread of life, the living bread, the bread for life. So when we are Elijah, when we are running in desperation, when we are convinced we have failed, when we collapse with weariness, when we are ready to say, enough, let me die, then we need to find shelter under another tree, under a stark and solitary tree, the tree of the cross. There we carry our weariness, our worries, our failures, our fears, our sins, our anger, our frustrations, our complaints. And Christ is on the tree for those dying under the tree. He dies on the tree that those under it may live forgiven and freed. And he will not let you go. 
He will not let you go away. He will not let you go on your way, not without his life-giving word, so that we can say with the psalmist, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. My dear brothers, my dear sisters in Christ, taste and see that the Lord is good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.